Welcome to Colts Roundtable Live on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Picked off by the Colts. Kenny Moore, 30, 20, down the near sideline. They hand off to Taylor, right up the gut, and he's in there. Touchdown! We're talking Colts and recapping the action. He's got it! Here's the voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor. Hey, good evening, everybody. Welcome to Colts Roundtable Live tonight. It's brought to you by Citizens Energy Group. Always proud to be the Colts conservation partner. Find winning conservation tips at citizensenergygroup.com. With you until 7 o'clock tonight, we're talking Colts football before the Pacers take on the Hawks here on 93.5 and 107.5. The fan coming up tonight will be joined by interim head coach Jeff Saturday here momentarily. And former Colts Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights will join the show tonight in segment number two. The Colts are coming off a 20-3 loss to the Chargers last night. The Colts turned their offense over to Nick Foles at quarterback, and that unit couldn't muster much momentum. The Colts produced just 173 yards of offense. They failed to convert a third down in a game for the second time this season. The Colts went 0-10 for 10 on third down, and unfortunately Monday marked the eighth time this season the Colts have scored one offensive touchdown or less in a game. Last night was the fourth time this season with zero offensive touchdowns. Foles, who was making his first start in a Colts uniform, he threw three interceptions. He took seven sacks and threw for just 143 yards. The seven sacks allowed by the Colts pushes their season total up to 56, tied for the fourth most in franchise history, and six shy of matching the franchise record of 62 back in 1997. For the night, the Colts' defense played well, but certainly not well enough considering the offensive troubles. The Colts racked up four sacks and came away with two takeaways, including a fumble recovery by Quiddy Pay, which set up the Colts' only trip inside the Charger red zone. As a team, the Colts now have 43 sacks on defense, which is only four shy of setting the club record for sacks in a single season, which was 46 back in 2005. And Monday night marked the eighth time this season the Colts allowed 20 points or less and they're just 3-4-1 in those games. It's been that type of a season for the Colts. They've now lost five in a row for the first time since 2017, and they've dropped eight of nine, and now it's on to the New York Giants on New Year's Day in Week 17. As we said, starting on the next segment, Colts analysts Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights will join me, and we're taking your Twitter questions tonight with Rick and Joe, and also with interim head coach Jeff Saturday here coming up momentarily. You can tweet in your questions tonight using hashtag Colts Roundtable, and we'll squeeze in as many of those as we can tonight, as we always do. And then per usual, Jeff Saturday, interim head coach of the Colts, he joins us now, brought to you by Citizens Energy Group. And Jeff, another difficult game to come to terms with Monday night against the Chargers. What made last night so difficult to move the ball against their defense? Oh, man, I mean, missed opportunities. You know, third downs, we were terrible. Um, you know, we're over and uh, just, you know, there are plays to be made. We just we just didn't make them. And so, um, you know, it gets frustrating, I, I know, for the fans to hear the same things, but it's self-inflicted wounds. And, um, you know, we, we have to figure a way out to sustain drives. And, again, there, there are opportunities to be uh, – or opportunities to, to be had, and uh, we just didn't make them. And so, once – it kind of started to snowball, uh, and, and you know, our, our defense started giving up some third downs, unfortunately, not necessarily giving up points, but so their, their, their drives were sustained and they're keeping you on the field. So then when you go three and out, it, it really uh, starts to put pressure on you. And so I just felt like as the game progressed on, we just didn't do a good job, a good enough mm-hmm. job uh, in that situational portion of the game. And, and with Nick Foles at quarterback, well, what kinds of challenges did he face? 
being the starting quarterback for the first time this season so late in the season. Yeah, well, I mean, listen, this is the first time that he's, you know, he's done a lot of work, and I understand that. But I had full expectations he would come in and operate our offense. Unfortunately, this, the, the start, uh, you know, probably messed with him a little bit, right? You have, a, you have an overthrow um, for an interception early on a first down, which you can't, obviously you can't have. Um, and then, and then um, James makes an incredible play uh, for, for the second interception. I thought he did a really good job. Um, and so, you know, you, you kind of go back in the ebbs and flows. It's 10-3 game. We go into halftime. We stop them coming out of half. And then our first drive, we throw an interception. So y- y- you just could tell he never really got going, right? He never felt that confidence where he could just let it rip. Um, you begin to second-guess yourself at quarterback once you, you know, once those things start happening and, um, you, you know, play a little bit more hesitant than you would probably want to. Uh, yeah, I thought, again, he's fighting through. He's trying to put the ball where it goes. Uh, but but. Ultimately, from you know, we've talked about this. It doesn't matter who's who's at quarterback or who's at running back. We have to protect the football. We didn't do a good enough job of making sure we limited that, and then it just brought more problems throughout. Yeah, defensively, giving up only 20 points. Obviously, the long drive by the Chargers in the fourth quarter that was kind of the backbreaker when yeah. they went up 20 to three. But four sacks, two takeaways. On the whole, what did you make of the defensive effort? Yeah, I mean, listen, they're giving you a good enough chance to win, right? I mean, and that, you know, that's that's what I when when you look at it from the head coaching perspective, and you break down all three phases, and and from the defensive side, um, you you know, you at, at ten to three after we've done what we've kind of done, mm-hmm. given us short fields that we're not converting on, uh, you know, from a, from that perspective, I, I really respect the way that we played, and, and to your point, we pressured Herbert, did a good job trying to get him off a spot. And they had some numbers, but they're an explosive of offense so you knew you know Allen's going to get his numbers Williams gonna, that's yeah. just that's just their offense right they have they have four it's it's very similar to Minnesota right they're gonna they're gonna have some bad drives but ultimately the more touches they get at it they have enough players around the field they're going to be explosive that you're not going to completely shut them down or shut them out but I thought the defense fought uh gave gave us every opportunity to stay in the game unfortunately we didn't have make enough plays to uh to, to, to take yeah. care of it Colts Roundtable live tonight. This is 93.5 and 107.5. The fan, that's interim coach Jeff Saturday. I'm Matt Taylor. Let's go to a handful of uh, fan questions tonight, Coach. Again, if you want to interact with interim coach Jeff Saturday and later on tonight, Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights, Twitter is your best bet. Hashtag Colts Roundtable to get those questions in. CJ is up first tonight, Coach. Will Nick Foles continue to be the quarterback for the Colts in the final two games? Yeah, I mean, there's no, no change right now. Uh, again, from from our perspective, it, this has been a this has been a, a lot of different QBs this season, right? Mm-hmm. From Matt to Sam, back to Matt, and now with with Nick. And so, um, it, it, you know, we're hopeful that Nick, with his second week practicing with everybody, feels more comfortable mm-hmm. when we hit the game against the Giants this weekend. That he he sees the field and and feels comfortable going making those throws that I've seen him make in practice over and over and in his and in his previous portions of his career so um, again not the start I know he wanted nor we wanted uh, but it's not on one guy I mean there there's 10 other dudes on the offense that got to pick it up as well and uh, so so from my perspective Nick's gonna have to take this thing and and do the most with it all right let's go to Jace's question he says we're down three offensive coaches yeah pardon my ignorance Again, this is Jace talking, but why don't we just hire more coaches for the remainder of the season, 
even though they might not be retained in the offseason? Yeah, it, it, that it's, it's a hard – I mean, that's a great question. It's hard to get guys to come in into a situation that's looking – Way easier said than done, right? Right, 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 right. It's not like there's a lot of guys who are raising their hand to come into right. a situation where in a, in a month or, you know, six weeks they may be out of a job, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, that, that – and, and then they get assigned whatever happened in that location. Well, what, what did you do here or what could you have done? Um, and so I do appreciate that. Uh, but but it's it's much harder than than people would imagine to get that happening. And then from a from a how this thing balances out, it, when you it's it wasn't just losing three coaches. It's losing a, you know the the coordinator, the play caller, and then a, another guy who was very instrumental in the pass game. And so when all three of those directly affect not only play calling but the pass game in general, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's it's putting a lot on the other coaches to pick that up. And whether you and however you break it down, whether it's short yardage, whether it's you know mediums, whether it's third downs, all the different aspects of the game that you have to go through and pre-plan for from a game plan perspective, and then as you're as you're putting these ideas together, it's just fewer minds in the room mm-hmm. as well, right? So yeah. it's it's not just less the, the, collaborative, exactly. Yeah, and yeah. so guys are having to do more. Um, and again, they, you know, we don't we, we're not in the excuse making business, but from those guys' perspective, they're working extremely hard to make this happen. Uh, and again, I appreciate the effort. The results aren't good enough, and, mm-hmm. and we all understand that, myself included. I mean, what you just described, I mean, I, I'm exhausted just hearing about it from <laughs> yeah. a coaching angle. I mean, people don't realize how much study and, and thought goes into every situational part of the game. No, facts. And, and, and you know, when people look at it, and again, I mean – Listen, I'm a I'm a I'm a TV guy as well, so I understand how everybody wants to make and have these conversations, right. and they think it's so quick. But the reality of how you break a football game down and how you uh, plan for a team—I mean, just the Giants we're about to play—they are a 50-50 blitz team, which means 50% of every play they have some type of blitz they can bring you. That means every and, and, and you already know that. That's right, right? Go, yeah, going in like it's not a surprise to us, right? right? Everybody's like, "Oh, you're no, no." Well, but, I just mean you played the Chargers 12 hours ago. Right. Exactly. And you already know that. Exactly. Yeah, you've already broken down part yeah. of the of the Giants. And so as 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 you look at this team, you understand how protection matters, mm-hmm. how your run game matches up against those. How does your how do your receivers and what route combinations are they gonna so it's all the different pieces and parts. So from the collaboration of all the different coaches, there's a lot of moving pieces and parts. And again, everybody does it, but when you when you shrink down the group mm-hmm. um that, that has been doing it and, and and especially the group with the the actual play calling capacity of the guys who are really making the final decisions yeah. and now you have to spread that part around as well it's just a lot on these coaches and, and again man these guys they work I mean they work extremely long hours and nobody's asking for a pity party no. they have not complained one time and so I'm, I'm appreciative of that but again it's a results you know it's a results business and fans yeah. they, you know, they have their right to the way they feel I understand it I've been a fan I understand I get for you think I, I can't stand losing so yeah. I'm with them and understand it and, and hopefully we, we uh, we get off this this uh, this losing streak and, and and put some wins together to finish this thing up. All right, last one. This is from Paul Jeff. He says you seem to very be very aggressive with challenge flags. Is that just your philosophy, or do you see things in real time that you know you're going to be correct on? 
Yeah, we, I mean, we, we see it. I mean, yesterday in particular when the guy caught, I saw the referee walking off the sideline yeah. and walking, like, back towards that me. That was egregious. Yeah. yeah, so I was like, wait a minute. Right. I know that can't be right. right. You know what I mean? And and then you spot it, like, at the angle you're walking at. So I was like, ah, that's not good. That doesn't make me feel comfortable. And then the <laughs> right. uh, the catch, the Allen catch, was actually right in front of our, right in front of our bench. Mm-hmm. And so I saw him, and I saw the way he caught it and the way the ball went down and, and and so those were those were two of the easier ones that we've had. Um, now the, the 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 line to gains those are always really hard. Um, and so you know I, I use some some help up in the box with George and John. And yeah, hey, can you see that? Can you get a replay of it? You know, let me know what your thoughts are on sure. it. Uh, but but you like to let the, the referees filter it out because the truth is, even though we were right, we were on our last one. Because, you know, you're two for two. You only get one more, mm-hmm. irrespective of what happens. And right. so, um, you know, it, 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 that, that's the kind of the, the deal is even if you're right, it's going to be it's going to be hard to challenge things as the game goes on. You have to ask yourself, is it worth exactly, it? Exactly. Right? Exactly. Because it begins to punish you. Right. Mm-hmm. Because if it is a play that matters at the end of the game. And so yeah. uh, but again, it's yeah. But I, I am going to be aggressive on that. We're going to we're going to. We're going to force them to be right, and and hopefully it it works to our advantage. Yeah, no question about it. That's interim head coach Jeff Saturday. Jeff, I really appreciate the time and the insight, as always, here on a Monday night Colts Roundtable Live. Uh, Happy New Year coming up, and best of luck against the Giants. Yeah, Happy New to you and all the fans. We appreciate you all. Keep supporting us. We're going to keep battling, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Matt. Again, that's our weekly conversation with interim head coach Jeff Saturday. This is Colts Roundtable Live. It's brought to you by Citizens Energy Group, saving home on monthly bills. When you can serve water and energy. For money-saving tips, visit citizensenergygroup.com. And when we come back, we'll welcome in Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights. We'll go over the tales of the tape and discuss what the film showed against the Chargers and why the Colts keep coming up short as they've now lost eight of their last nine games. We're coming back with that in just a moment. Stay with us. You're listening to the Colts and Colts Roundtable Live. You're on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Welcome back to Colts Roundtable Live on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Here's Matt Taylor, the voice of the Colts. Hey, welcome back tonight. This is Colts Roundtable Live here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. It's also brought to you tonight by Caesars and Pick 6. Brought to you by Caesars Sportsbook. That's free to play all season long. Answer six predictive questions about the game every week for a chance to win great Colts prizes it must be 21 or older to play. Again, I'm Matt Taylor. It's now time to welcome in Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights to the show. Fellas, welcome as always. Joe, good evening. How was Christmas with you and the family? I, I bet you guys opened up a lot of gifts from Santa with you and the six kids there. It, it was great. To put it in football terms, you know, my kids were high juice, high energy, high motor, <laughs> you know, play all day. They were up at 6 in the morning, and they didn't go to bed till the wee hours of the night. So you couple that, and then – I was already in the mode of staying up late, so it was great to get the chance to watch the game and listen to you guys like I always do. So great job by you and Rick. But it was a great Christmas, but I think probably like a lot of parents out there, looking forward back to some routine, getting the kids back in school next week and getting to bed again before 1 a.m. and not getting up you know, in the wee hours of the dawn. Oh, yeah. Rick, you remember those days now? I mean, I know you got some, some adult children at the moment, but uh, I'm sure you guys had a good Christmas as well there at the Venturi household. Oh, we really did. We had, uh, including my daughter from San Francisco, we had my, what what really amounts to my immediate family and girlfriends. We had 11. We had a defensive unit. The Venturis aren't fast enough to have an <laughs> offensive unit. But we, 
<laughs> we had a defensive unit, and, and Miss Sherry just outdid herself. I I ruled her out when I when I came down yesterday. I said you do after what she fed eleven people. I I said you do not get out of your pajamas on the twenty sixth. Just turn on Hank Radio and listen to us, and she did. <laughs> well, she came through in the clutch. That's what Miss Sherry does now. I I did. I had no doubts. I had no doubts. She did it on Thanksgiving and Christmas, man, back-to-back back there in about a month. Uh, certainly not a, a great Christmas for the Colts collectively, thoroughly beaten by the Chargers on Monday night football in front of a national TV audience last night, 20-3, to the final score. Before we get into the Colts and the tail of the tape, uh, Joe, I want to go to you. J.J. Watt today announced that uh, this season's going to be his last in the NFL, so that's two more games for him. He's going to walk away as arguably – in the conversation of one of the more dominant defensive players of all time. He is one of three players to be named Defensive Player of the Year three times, joining Aaron Donald and Lawrence Taylor, the only player to record 20-plus sacks in multiple seasons. Did that in 2012 and 2014, Joe. But you had some epic battles with J.J. Watt, and uh, you more than, than held your own throughout your career against J.J. Well, I, I appreciate that and those kind words, but you know, hats off to 99. He had a phenomenal career. Obviously, we got to battle him twice a year mm-hmm. in Houston, and and I I did okay against him. I always oh, felt come on like now. you he, did well. He, you did really well. well. He he really wanted to beat you as a speed guy, a counter move guy first. You know, he re- really wasn't a true power guy, as strong as he was. So my plan with him always was set him on the line, make him run me over, play after play after play, and don't give him the edge and let him do those swim moves, those backdoor moves. So, you know, I felt like I matched up well with him at guard because I was a bigger body, you know, longer arm guy than, you know, maybe a, a 6'2", 315-pound road grader. So it was uh, it was nice when he got out of the division for the Colts because he's a heck of a player. You know, when people ask me, who's the best player you ever played against? I always say, I give him three quick answers. I say the best run stuffer was Vince Wilfork, no question. The best pure pass rusher was Von Miller, but maybe the best overall guy was J.J. Watt, and so he uh, hats off to him for a heck of a career. No question about it. Yep, number 99, hanging it up at the end of the season and uh, had some epic battles, some epic plays, big moments uh, against the Colts with the Houston Texans. All right, again, Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights are along. I'm Matt Taylor. This is Colts Roundtable Live. Let's go to the tail of the tape, the top couple of takeaways the Colts falling to the Chargers. Rick, the floor is yours. Uh, you watched the tape again today. What stood out for the Colts as they have now lost five in a row, eight of their last nine? Well, you know, I honestly believe this. And, you know, I lived through the, um, I lived through the mid-'80s. Uh, and, you know, at that point, though, there, you know, we weren't very good and there weren't very many expectations. You know, Joe lived through 2011. That was understandable because, you know, Manning got hurt. You know, the franchise went on hard times only for one year. But I'm not so sure that this stretch isn't really a low point because of the the expectations and the deflation that's there. You know, and I keep looking at the big picture, and I look at, you know, the 12 months ago, the, you know, the December 25th game, you know, with Christmas in mind here, you know, and that's really a season in itself. That's 17 games, Matt. Right. In those 17 games, we're 4-12-1. And, And, you know, that's, I mean, really, again, and because of the expectations, it's such a low point. And what I see, and I'd love to be able to write a better narrative, but what I see right now is a combination. It's a classic situation of what I consider, and if I had four hours to discuss it, I can go through it piece by piece, 
But I think what this is a merger of right now is poor coaching merging with real big deficiency in talent, and this is what you got. This is basically what you got is you're basically a 4-12-1 team and barely competitive. I've, there's been other years we haven't been very good where we were really more competitive. <laughs> I have to say, if there's a silver lining, it's basically that we're building draft capital, and because there was nobody at the end there, I was able to get on I-65 in 10 minutes and be home by 12:30. Normally, it takes me about 45 minutes just to get to I-65. You know, and it's really a combination of two things: it's putrid offense, you know, from beginning to end, and it's putrid fourth quarter defense as well. When you have to really bow up and stop somebody, and you know, I said this last week, and it and it it goes every week, week in and week out. We're very bad in the red zone, both offensively and defensively, and we're very bad in the fourth quarter. And honestly, the rest of those stats really don't really don't matter, mm-hmm. you know. And since Coach Saturday, and, and normally you have to earn that title, but since Coach Saturday has taken over, basically we've been outscored 90 to 10 in the fourth quarter. I tell you, what's really kind of a sidebar that's kind of sad, and we'll pay for it is that Jim Ursay has worked so hard, Matt and Joe, and you know this, over the years to get us prime time games, you know, particularly at home. He's yeah. worked so hard, and basically we've embarrassed ourselves, you know, game after game in, in that regard. And so, you know, from, from that regard, I, you know, I, I got to think that, you know, mm-hmm. you know, we'll be lucky if we're not playing at 10 o'clock every morning, to be honest with you. Uh, 10 o'clock in the morning from now on but mm-hmm. you know our fourth war our fourth quarter woes kill us i you know i thought the microchasm of the season was the failure on fourth and inches you know it's two weeks in a row you can't make a quarterback sneak and then the ensuing 88 yard drive for a touchdown which just put it away and i mean they did anything they wanted they started out running it they threw it they run it they walked in the end zone and so really Really and truly, and all the numbers are there, the 0 for 10 on third down, seven sacks, three turnovers. I mean, Foles had a 3.4 QBR. You know, and then on defense, Herbert, again, even though it's not a great day, it's 24 of 31. I mean, we're la- we're second to last in the league in pass percentage, and that's always a killer. That's 70%. That means every, time, every 10 times they throw, they hit seven. You know, Allen catches 11 balls. I mean, how, how does that happen? When you know he's the top third down guy in the league, and then two red zone scores in seven zero, so you know to say it's all on one group or another, it's it's really not. It's just yeah. a very, very difficult situation, getting harder to watch every week. Yeah, tail of the tape right there with Rick Venturi. Joe, anything else to add in terms of uh, what you gleaned from watching the game tape today, Colts and Chargers? Yeah, I felt like you know really when you go back to the last couple weeks and the Dallas game, we were very competitive until the fourth quarter. The Minnesota mm-hmm. game, I mean there clearly was a hangover from the Minnesota game. And you can call it that. You can call it what you want, not being in the playoffs. But the bottom line is, you know, the team just really didn't even get off the mat to fight is what I thought overall in this ball game. And, again, Coach mentioned it. When you're 0-10 on third down, 1-4 on fourth down, things aren't good. Three interceptions. We, we thought Nick Foles might bring some juice and some life. And he clearly was throwing the ball down the field, but some of those throws were just completely ill-advised. You give up seven sacks. I think two big things for me. Offensively, again, we just struggled so, so much. We actually ran the ball decent, 14 for 69 yards and five yards of carry. But, 
you know, I think we were intent on trying to prove that we could throw the ball down the field, and we did, but you can't throw the ball down the field into double coverage. So I think, again, the offensive woes that kind of ultimately led to breaking the defense. But I just felt like the spirit of the team, you know, they really just didn't have the fight that they had the two weeks before. And it was still a ball game. I mean, when the Chargers fumbled the ball and we had that fourth and one right when the fourth quarter started, it's a 13-3 to ball game. You're thinking, we score here, it's 13-10, to we're down by three. But I agree with Coach, that kind of broke – us in that game that kind of broke us in that season again in, in two weeks in a row a fourth and one conversion that could get you there we changed it up schematically a little bit we actually had Pittman motion to kind of push which I liked but they knew everybody in the world that was coming I mean Foles could have pulled that ball and walked around off tackle into the end zone so it was just a it was just a tough night and I agree with coach's point you know Jim has fought so hard to get back-to-back Monday night football games and for a lot of years we were never at the home Monday night game which I don't agree with especially as good as we were and then to kind of go and lay an egg here after that Pittsburgh loss that's just tough on the franchise so with with two games left it, it is what it is right you're four, twelve, and one you're out of the playoffs you're sitting here at fifth in the uh, draft order right now as the season starts tomorrow. But bottom line, there's still two games left to play. And I think it's a bit of an embarrassment for some of those players in the locker room because it's their jobs at the end of the day. It, it's those guys' jobs, whether it's an Indy, 31 other teams, because clearly there's going to be changes in this offseason. That's where you know I was just disappointed individually with some of the uh, effort from some of the guys last night. Yeah, there's no question about it. I mean, there, there's a couple of certainties that we know from this season going into next season. We do know that the Colts are guaranteed to pick in the top 10, regardless of how the last couple of games play out. We also know, to your guys' point, the Colts are going to play a boatload of 1 o'clock games next year on Sunday afternoons because of the record and not showing out in their primetime opportunities this year. The Colts did have a couple more takeaways against the Chargers, two in fact, so that means Colts fans can score a free appetizer tonight at B-Dubs through this Wednesday at participating Indianapolis locations. See Colts.com slash BWW for details. All right, that's the tale of the tape here on Colts Roundtable Live with Rick and Joe. I'm Matt Taylor. We're going to mix it up when we come back. We're going to hand out attaboys and also go over the head scratchers coming up on the next segment because the Colts do have some players who are really coming on lately, shining out and playing well individually, but they as a team are also going through some questionable moments as well. Colts Roundtable Live is brought to you by Citizens Energy Group, proud to be the Colts' conservation partner. Find winning conservation tips at citizensenergygroup.com. We're back with that in just a moment here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. This is Roundtable Live, a full hour dedicated to Colts football. Here again is Matt Taylor, the voice of the Colts. We're back again. This is Colts Roundtable Live. Thanks for sticking with us tonight. It's brought to you by Citizens Energy Group. Always proud to be the Colts conservation partner. Find winning conservation tips at citizensenergygroup.com. Tonight's show is also brought to you by Meyer, And the official super center of the Colts, of course, is Meyer, Proud sponsor of hundreds of local sports teams across the Midwest. I'm Matt Taylor with Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights with you until 7 o'clock tonight before the Pacers take on the Hawks. And at this point of the season, obviously the Colts have some young players who are emerging and taking on bigger roles. And also as a team, the Colts are still going through some uh, puzzling moments, some curious moments. So let's discuss both on attaboys and head scratcher. Our first head scratcher, Joe, is going into the game, the Chargers 
one of the league's worst teams against the rush, giving up 145 yards per game on the ground. But the Colts decided primarily to attack Los Angeles through the air, despite the fact that the Colts averaged 4.9 yards per carry. Zach Moss was running really hard for the game. He was over five yards per carry. Um, were you surprised that the Colts didn't try to grind the Chargers down primarily early in the game with, with their rush that was working in the first and second quarter? I was a little bit because, again, Moss was our best player offensively last night. He had 12 carries for 65 yards. He was running really hard. And I actually liked the diversity of our running game. I thought it was the best it's been in weeks. You know, we ran a nice wham play with Kalinich, who he's kind of become – he's the closest thing we have to Jack Doyle on the roster. We've lined him up at fullback. He gives you a lot of diversity in the run game more in terms of a lead guy, you know, that'll stick his face in there. But I thought Moss ran hard. We had some different RPOs. We ran out of a spread formation, which I like, you know, those shotgun runs with three and four guys split out to get you a lighter box. So I thought the run game was the best thing we had going. I, I do understand when we fell behind 13 to three, then ultimately 20 to three, you got to kind of throw the ball. But I felt like we were forcing the ball downfield too much early, if that makes sense. I think we were trying to prove with Nick Foles that, you know, we could get some of these guys loose and, you know, had some success early to Woods and Pierce. But I did think that Moss is a guy that seemed to me a little bit like Jonathan Taylor. He got better as the game went on. He ran harder. You can tell running backs have to get in a groove like a quarterback. That's what people have to understand, too. It's a new group of offensive linemen. They all move a different way, block a different way. But I, I do think Moss is earning himself playing time for sure the next couple games and beyond. People forget he was a, a third-round pick out of Buffalo just a few years back, so he's still relatively young in his career, and I think he's earning himself a nice niche and role on this team, not just the next couple games, but moving forward into 2023 and beyond. All right, we're going head-scratchers and attaboys. Our first attaboy, Rick, safety Rodney Thomas. He picked off Justin Herbert uh, there in the first quarter. He now is in sole possession of the team lead in picks with three and this guy's a seventh-round pick out of Yale, and he has been a key contributor on defense. Many thought that the you know the the highest-touted rookie safety that we were going to be talking about all year that that was Nick Cross. He is the first Colts rookie to tally two consecutive games with a pick since Malik Hooker in 2017. Attaboy, big time to Rodney Thomas. Can Thomas be a big part of this Colts' future on defense, Rick? I don't think there's any question that he can. I mean, he is the most pleasant surprise and we've had a lot of guys really perform that are third day draft picks if you go back to Stewart and you go back to Franklin right and now right now you're talking about a kid that really and this is hard for me to say but he's really outplayed Blackman and I don't think we ever saw that coming now the interesting thing about him I did not I did not do him from Yale you know getting ready in the pre-draft but after we drafted him, of course, I went back and really studied the hell out of him to see what we got, and I watched his pro day. And when you look at him, it shouldn't be as big a surprise. I mean, this guy is 6'2", you know, right at 200. I don't know if you realize this or not, but he runs a 4.49, which is fast, 41 vertical. He has a 4.02 short shuttle, which is record-setting. So this is a guy that was – really a terrific athlete but he was kind of a man without a position he played some linebackers some corner some safety and so after I looked at him I thought you know this is going to be a hell of a kid he'll come in here and do special teams mm -hmm. he's going to be really smart and you know he'll be a backup safety for a while but I think he has the talent 
to someday be a starter. Well, he's, you know, so far, you know, so far gone ahead of that. Mm-hmm. And I would take my hat off to whoever does our Northeastern scouting because you've got a kid that you got on the seventh round who is a legit starter and playmaker. And if you look at University of Massachusetts, he's uh, obviously Thomas is from Yale, and you look at at Rogers from Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. I mean, two unlikely places. You've got two legitimate starters that are really pretty doggone good players. Yeah, so, sixth and you know, seventh round North picks East, right there. Our, yeah, two a sixth and a seventh. I mean, our, whoever's doing our Northeast scouting, keep him going because he's doing pretty well. No question about it. All right, Rick, stay right there. Let's go to the head scratcher. Uh, Nick Foles started the game. Took seven sacks on 29 dropbacks. The Colts now have allowed at least six sacks in a game three times this season with three different quarterbacks. They've allowed 56 sacks on the season. That's the fourth most in club history. Rick, why has the pressure been so prevalent regardless of who the quarterback is this season for the Colts? Well, for you know, with the exception of two games where we played Sam, you're basically dealing with two old statues. There's no question about it. I mean, there's statues back there, and everybody on defense knows it. Add the complication of not really having a running game identity like we have in the past. And I totally agree with Joe. And I said that in our solutions at the halftime. Just keep feeding Moss. Moss is a legitimate player. He really is. And, you know, and but we haven't ever established a run. And even on a day where it was going, he had a 4.9 rushing average against the worst rush team in the league per play. And we got away from it and put it in the hands of Foles in our offensive line who was playing in a disadvantage. And so, uh, you know, those things go hand in hand. They lead to the situation. But some other things have been there, and Joe can follow me up on this. But first of all, our blitz coordination this year has been god-awful. The first time they came, it was just a jailbreak. And I have no idea how we've gone to the tank so bad on that. But when I see guys coming from upstairs, my thought is it's either a sack or it's going to be a fumble, one or the other. Nothing good is going to happen. I I think the second thing is we refuse (laughs) to help the young kid at left tackle and in critical situations, they get good players on him, and he's just not ready for it. I mean, it was Mac this week. It's been Graham. It's been Riddick. It's been Highsmith. I mean, when do you learn? I mean, to me, that's just coaching malpractice. If you got a kid, and he won't be a liability forever, but as a rookie, he's a liability on the island, on the blind side, and we don't do anything to help him. So, I mean, in a sense, Blitz coordination and lack of good protection, and even our top guys, Braden Smith, he got run by by Rumpf. I mean, the, the worst, the worst was Nelson. I mean, he got spin move on Nelson. He didn't even touch the guy. He whiffed. So, you know, it's been underproduction in one sense in the offensive line, but on the other sense, it's been lack of ever establishing a run and get somebody at a disadvantage. And then to me, it's lack of help of that left tackle week in, week out. Shame on you, offensive staff. All right, it's Rick Venturi. We're going head scratchers and attaboys. Our last attaboy to close out, and Joe Wrights is with us as well. Joe, the Colts had four sacks against the Chargers. Their season total now is 43 on the year, and only the 2004 Colts and the 2005 Colts have more sacks as a group since the team moved to Indianapolis in 1984. Unique Ngakwe's got nine and a half sacks. 
Uh, DeForest Buckner has eight, but they're two of seven Colts players with at least two sacks on the year. Joe Attaboy, the Colts pass rush, quietly having a really good season. What improvements have you seen out of that group as the season has progressed? I know the record's still not there, but in terms of getting after the quarterback, the Colts are doing that this season. Well, I think, one, you bring over Ngakwe. You know, he's on pace for double-digit sacks. You know what Butner brings you. But the emergence of some younger guys, Quiddy Pace, six sacks, like you mentioned, despite missing some time with an injury. Dio has come on more as of late after really getting a slow start to the season throughout camp. Grover Stewart, you know, has had a heck of a year in pushing the pocket, you know, in the past game. But I think, you know, we're a team that has relied on our front four to get pressure. Now, I'd like to see us blitz a little bit more because I think when we blitzed, it's been productive throughout this season. But I know that's not, you know, Gus Bradley's style. But we have been able to consistently get pressure with four guys more than we have in the past. And that's a key because when you think about this league, you just close your eyes. What do you got to have? You got to have explosive playmakers on the outside, wide receiver and cornerbacks, and you got to be able to win the edge. And what do I mean by the edge? You got to be able to have, like Coach just talked about it, left and right tackles that can hold up, but also guys that can get pressure. And, you know, this league has evolved as such with so many different quarterbacks, athletic quarterbacks, guys that can move the pocket. You have to have that athleticism, not just on the edge, but inside too. And I do think that, again, you mentioned it, Matt, the Colts are on pace to set their club record, franchise record for most sacks in a season. So hats off to those guys. I think they've done it by committee. I do think it's still an area we need to improve on because it's so important to the game. But positively, you got some young guys in their second, third year that have started to come on, especially more as of late. Yeah, also, too, since 1984, only the 2000 and the 2005 Colts have had at least four players with five sacks in a single season. So that's a pretty good barometer of where the Colts are at right now with a lot of young talent on the uh, up-and-come this season here in Indianapolis. All right, that's a look at the Attaboys and Head Scratchers tonight. This is Colts Roundtable Live on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan with Rick Venturi and Joe Wright. I'm Matt Taylor. Coming up, we're taking your questions. Get them in. The mailbag segment is on the horizon. Send in your questions and thoughts on Twitter using hashtag Colts Roundtable. And we'll take a few of those when we come back. Try to get in as many as possible. You're listening to Colts Roundtable Live. We're back in a moment on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Welcome back to Colts Roundtable Live on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. For more Colts breakdown, here's Matt Taylor, the voice of the Colts. We're back again. This is Colts Roundtable Live here on 93.5107.5 The Fan, brought to you by Citizens Energy Group. Proud to be the Colts conservation partner. You can always find winning conservation tips at citizensenergygroup.com. Tonight's show is also brought to you by EverStream, Indy's business-only fiber network, faster fiber and better business. With Rick Venturi, Joe Wrights, I'm Matt Taylor. It's time now for the mailbag, tweeting your questions using hashtag Colts Roundtable. Let's go to John. He's up first tonight, Rick. Uh, should we switch to Sam Ellinger for the final two games strictly for his mobility and athleticism compared to the other two quarterbacks? We know that, uh, you know, interim coach Jeff Saturday has already addressed this. It appears that Nick Foles is going to be the quarterback for the Colts the final two games, but I suspect that, that you have a different feeling on the matter, Rick. Yeah, we just did head scratchers. That's the biggest head scratcher to me today. I just I can't believe it. You have absolutely no future with Foles, really and truly. Foles is still living off the 2017 season. He's like about 3-15 and 15 since then. I really I don't understand it. He's another statue. He's old. He really 
is going to mean nothing to this franchise. What Sam gives you, and I think Sam was un, I, I thought he was terribly uh, mismanaged after the New England game. Uh, if that would have been, if that would have been Foles or, or that would have been Matt Ryan, they'd have had 20 sacks in that game. They got, we got out schemed by Belichick. He brought stuff we couldn't handle, and they killed him. The kid played extremely well in the Commanders game. It wasn't his fault that they they scored with seconds to go to beat us. And the thing about Ellinger, the reason I'd like to play him is several reasons. Okay, number one, you can run NCAA football with him. You can run bootleg passes. You can move the pocket. You will reduce the type of blitzes you're going to get because of his athleticism. So he can help you on those ways. Number two, I really do. Those other two guys have no future here. Ellinger has maybe a future here. Now, is Ellinger, you know, he he is never going to be Jalen Hurts. I'm not putting him in that category. And if anything, I was lobbying that once he was number two again, that we would use him. We would spot play him. We would get him in there for a series or short yardage where instead of a sneak, you can run a rollout type of play or a zone type of read, those type of things, okay? But here's what I'd like to see. First of all, I think he would give you the best chance to win because of mobility. But then number two, what I want, what I would like to know is when we finish this season, exactly who he is. Like I said, in no way do I think he's a Jalen Hurts or any of those guys or maybe even ever an NFL starter. But what I do see traits in him are Tannehill-type traits, Minshew-type traits, what I'd like to know at the end of 17 games is, is he good enough to be Gardner Minshew? Can he be that really good backup for you, mm-hmm. if, even if you go out and draft a guy number one? I mean, that's and, – and I don't know that yet. I thought he did a really good job against the commanders. So, I, you know, I don't understand this thinking at all. All right, let's go back to the mailbag. Uh, Mick is up next. Joe, how much roster turnover – do you anticipate this offseason, and which of our free agents are really worth being retained? Yeah, great question, because with two games left and with that's where we the are season's right now, right? fate, where it is, that's where we are. You start yeah. to look ahead to 2023 and draft pick free agency. Now, usually, Mick, there's, I'd say, 25 to 30% roster turnover year in and year out, and that's across the board. That's if your franchise is in a healthy position. You know, I remember in 2011 when we went into 2012, we had a new coach, a new GM, a new quarterback, and, I mean, it was about 50% turnover. And so I would expect there to be more turnover than normal just because when you have a team in a season that doesn't perform well, it's inevitable there's going to be more change than people think, whether that's new free agents being brought in, whether that's guys or veterans getting released and cut early from their contract, or whether that's new draft picks and and playing some younger guys. So definitely, you know, that roster speculation will continue to increase as we move forward. Uh, But again, it's all going to go back to your quarterback uh, at the start of it. And that's where I kind of agree with coach, you know, Ellinger, you know, you're not going to think in 2023 he's going to be your number one there, but it would be nice to know can he be your number two moving forward. But good question by Mick. And, again, I would expect there to be north of that 25 to 30% roster turnover. Even though the Colts have some good young players in a core, you start to think about some bigger picture decisions whenever you have a disappointing season like this one. Yeah, well said. Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights on the mailbag segment of Colts Roundtable Live tonight. I'm Matt Taylor, Colts Roundtable Live 
is brought to you by Caesar Sportsbook, proud sports betting partner of the Indianapolis Colts. When we come back, we only have a few minutes left tonight. We'll close out the show. We'll talk about the AFC playoff picture and the Giants coming up next, New Year's Day for the Colts. You're listening to Colts Roundtable Live. We're back in a moment on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. You're locked in to Colts Roundtable Live, a look at the latest action with the Indianapolis Colts. For more Colts talk, here's Matt Taylor. We're back for the final time tonight as we close out here on Colts Roundtable Live, brought to you by Citizens Energy Group, proud to be the Colts conservation partner. Always find winning conservation tips at citizensenergygroup.com. Tonight's show is also brought to you by CBS4, and you can get the forecast first on CBS4 and weather updates anytime with the CBS4 Indie app. You can customize it so that you only get the alerts that you want. Search CBS4 Indie in the App Store or on Google Play. So the Colts currently sit 4-10-1. They are one of four AFC teams that have been eliminated from playoff contention. Uh, it's time now for the closing arguments, again, with Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights. With the player standpoint of things, Joe, there's two games left. Um, you've been there. You've been on great teams and, and teams that have gone through seasons like this before. Joe, how do you stay engaged and, and dialed in despite the results not being there and and knowing this team, as you said on the last segment, it's not going to be together for very much longer before major, major changes come the Colts' way this upcoming offseason. Yeah, I remember for me, I looked at my wife and I looked at my little daughter and I said, I want to have a job next year, right? And I wanted to be in this organization. I think that's just the reality of where things are. You know, you got two games and, you know, you can find a bunch of people off the street that are going to come in here and play hard. And if you're a guy that can't play hard and motivate yourself when you don't have, quote, the playoffs to play for, if you can't be self-motivated, then you're probably not a guy that this organization wants in here long term. And so for me, it's about going out and playing, you know, my very best as a player to show Jim Irsay and show this franchise that I want to be in this Colts uniform 2023 and beyond. And I felt like that was something I was disappointed in last night. I didn't see that across the board like I felt like we had in the Dallas game and the Minnesota game. And that's something that I'm sure this coaching staff and Jeff and holding these guys accountable and, you know, Chris Ballard, they're going to be watching that awful close over the next two weeks. Who's actually playing hard when things don't go well and, and you're facing a lot of adversity? So that that's kind of the, uh, the mindset that I'd be in. Yeah, again, well said right there. Meanwhile, Rick, the Giants, they're fighting for a playoff spot. In the NFC, if they win on Sunday over the Colts, they're in the playoffs, just like the Chargers last night. Um, they're eight and six and one, but they're just one four and one in their last six games after a really good start to the season when they were six and one. Yeah, they're not. You know what? They, they, again, the situation is almost exactly the same as the Chargers, except they're at home. Now, I don't think that the Giants are as talented as the Chargers, but the thing that I like about them, the thing that scares me a little bit is I think they are the best coach team in the National Football League. I think Brian Dable as the head coach and Wink Martindale on defense, I think they've gotten more out of less than anybody in the league. I mean, you got you got Barkley, you got a good quarterback in Jones, and not much else. And the thing that bothers me the most because of what we've done is, and Joe knows this, Wink Martindale will blitz you from the time you get off that plane in Newark till the time you get back on it. And, man, mm -hmm. you better be ready. If you're not ready, you'll get embarrassed in this one. No question about it. All right, guys, we're up against it. That's all the time we've got tonight. My big thanks to Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights for keeping it real, as always, The uh, discussing the realities of this uh, Colts season as they sit 
4-10-1. We've got you covered on the Colts all week long, as we always do. The official Colts podcast is going to drop on Wednesday. Inside football with uh, Rick, that's going to drop on Thursday with the Blueprints to beat the Giants on New Year's Day. So check all of that out, Colts.com, Colts mobile app, and the Colts audio network. That's wherever you download your podcast. The Pacers and the Hawks basketball is coming up next here on these airwaves. This has been Colts Roundtable Live here on the home of the Colts, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Good night. <laughs>